like to stand, join us. <clears throat> We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship him. We have come into his house and gathered in his name to worship Christ. Concentrate on him and worship him. So forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship him. So forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship Christ the Lord. Worship him, Christ the Lord. Let us lift up holy hands, magnify his name, and worship him. Let us lift up holy hands, and magnify his name, and worship him. Let us lift up holy hands, magnify his name, and worship Christ the Lord. Worship him, Christ the Lord. Worship him. that we bring a sacrifice of praise. And we sing that song sometimes. And this song that we just opened with this morning reminded me of how to let go of all the stuff that's in your life. If you've got a list of stuff to get done today, if you're sleepy and tired, you didn't get enough rest, or if you're worried about something, set it aside. This is the time to come before the Lord in our little congregation, our family, and give praise and honor and glory to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. What a, what a glorious thing, huh? Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you. And we do bring a, a praise and a worship to you. And Lord, it does not seem like a sacrifice. It seems like a privilege to worship you collectively on Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and Lord, we do not take it for granted that in this nation we can still gather openly together to praise and worship the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And so now, Lord, be in our midst, direct our service and our hearts back to you. And we praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. As we go into the month of April, the devotion, the beginning little um, verse they've chosen, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we not lose heart. And then I love to piggyback off of Linda um, sharing this morning, a living sacrifice. Present yourselves to God as a living being and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The Apostle Paul, who was a splendid example of a disciplined Christian, said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If we have given ourselves to Christ, then he comes to live within us, 
and our bodies are now the new temples, the dwelling places of the Holy Spirit. Now we must act worthy of him who lives within us, discipling both our bodies and our minds so that we do not dishonor him who gives us salvation. We must pray as Jeremiah Taylor once prayed, let my body be a servant of my spirit and both body and spirit servants of Jesus. Paul knew Christ had sacrificed his body for his salvation and the only reasonable thing to do in response was to give his body back as a living sacrifice to Christ. Let me challenge you to commit your body and your mind to Christ, which is your reasonable service. And the hope for today, there is nothing that God could ask that would be not unreasonable considering the sacrifice he made for us. Are we using our body, our gifts, and our resources to honor him? Are we holding anything back? So with that, let's step into the place of worship. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we lift up holy hands in one accord. Singing, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, a building is only as good as its foundation. The book of Genesis is a good place to start to understand what that foundation is all about. So we pick it up at verse 26 of the first chapter. This is after the fifth day of creation. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So evening and the morning were the sixth day. Read the first part and then the last part, and that's right in the middle of it. But it's also important for us to keep a good foundation under our building. Would you stand with me and we'll recite the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, our New Testament scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 17 through 19. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 apostles aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. They, then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Then the mother of James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to Jesus with their sons. She, she knelt respectfully to ask, for, ask a favor. Whoops, I read too far. <laughs> Our responsive reading, if you'll join me. Lord of light, come shine your truth upon my life in this season of Lent. Light into the dark corners of disillusionment, where I hide beneath the comforts of food and drink. Light upon the fears and worries I seek to quell with word and working. Light within the shadowed areas of hurt that cast shades of resentment and unforgiveness in me. Light bright across my thoughts, seep into my heart and come awaken my hope. May your eternal light reveal heaven's beautiful promises and bring a peace that surpasses understanding. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of all, of all, creator of all, you have given us 
the opportunity to be in your presence, to come to you, to be forgiven for our sins. Lord, you've done so much for us. You, and you continue from the beginning of time that you have been our Lord and you gave your son to be our savior. But Lord, you do call for us to share with others, to give back, to return to you what is yours. So Lord, as we give today, we ask that you guide this use, that it may be done in such a way that is pleasing in your sight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amid shouts of praise and the waving of palm branches, Jesus triumphantly entered into the city of Jerusalem. This event marked the beginning of the most significant week in human history. Understanding the historical setting of this singular event can teach us of the ultimate mission of the Savior as the Lamb of God and the true King of Kings. To better understand the importance of the triumphal entry, it is helpful to first understand its correlation to the Feast of Passover or Pesach. Passover was the first of three major Jewish feasts celebrated each year. The feast was to commemorate the deliverance of ancient Israel from bondage in Egypt. According to Exodus 12, the Lord commanded Israel to select a lamb without blemish on the tenth day of the first month. Once selected, the lamb was then brought into their homes to live with the family for the next four days. On the eve before the start of the fifteenth day, they were then to kill the lamb, smear the blood on the doorposts, and share together the Passover feast. If they did this, the Lord promised that the destroying angel would pass by them and spare the firstborn of the home. Every year afterward, Israel celebrated Passover to remember the great deliverance from bondage. In addition, the Jews at the time of Jesus were looking forward to a coming Messiah, who would hopefully likewise during Passover deliver them from their Roman oppressors. With this background in mind, let's study the events of the triumphal entry. Shortly before Passover, the Savior began his last mortal journey to Jerusalem. Like Jesus, hundreds of thousands of Jews were also arriving to celebrate the feast. With the city swelling beyond capacity, many would have camped on the Mount of Olives and surrounding areas. Jesus chose to stay in nearby Bethany with the family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, whom he had just raised from the dead. News of this remarkable miracle spread like wildfire. The promised Messiah had come. As the Savior and his disciples climbed over the Mount of Olives, with the temple glistening in the morning sun, the people cut branches from palm trees, waving them excitedly, and laid their garments on the ground to cover his path. The significance of the timing is unmistakable. According to the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the day Jesus entered was the tenth day of the month, five days before Passover. This would mean that on the very same day that the Jews were selecting their Passover lambs, Jesus, the true Lamb of God, rode into Jerusalem and was symbolically chosen by the people. Also, just as the lambs would be brought into the homes of the people to stay for the next four days, so too Jesus came into his Father's house, the temple, and taught for the next four days before his death. This act of worship by the Jews during the triumphal entry fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah which stated, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your King is coming to you! He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Sadly, as the week progressed, the Jews saw that Jesus did not come as the conquering Messiah they had hoped for. They realized that Jesus would not bring them the political deliverance they so desired. Yet they did not understand the true deliverance he would bring through his atonement, death, and resurrection. 
Only five days later, some of this same crowd who had previously shouted praises at his arrival would now shout for the death of the Lamb of God. Often we are faced with the same question as these Jews in Jerusalem. What type of Messiah are we hoping for? One who will immediately free us from all our challenges and trials? Or are we humble enough to trust in the Lord's timing for redemption? In essence, we all have our own personal Exodus story, a story where we are in spiritual bondage and can be released only by the blood of the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. We each have the opportunity daily to select Jesus Christ as our Lamb of God and allow him into our homes. When we lay down our all before him, as the Jews laid down their garments, shouting Hosanna, we choose to accept the Savior, seeing him for who he really is. Only then can we, like ancient Israel, be spared from the destroying angel of death and sin and enter into the promised land because of the triumphal entry, death, and resurrection of the Lamb of God. Good morning. This Passover, which Messiah are we looking for? Are we looking for the same Messiah the Jews were looking for? A military hero riding in on a white steed, his armor glistening in the sun. The second coming of King David, who would deliver them from the Romans. A Messiah who matches our fantasy expectations. Are we looking for an Alexander the Great with a sword in one hand and the scroll of Isaiah in the other? Or are we looking for the Holy God, the Great I Am? whose grace and mercy is immutable, whose loving kindness is everlasting to generation to generation. Are we looking for a God who will be exactly who he says he is and will do exactly what he has said he will do according to his sovereign and perfect will? This Passover, are we looking for the one and only Lamb of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, write our hearts and minds. Fill us with your, with your truth. Give us to understand who you are, that you are completely worthy of our every praise and thank you. Father, now enrich us with your spirit through your word. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've preached a lot on dogma recently. And what is dogma? Man's thinking in place of God's truth. I preach on dogma so much because it's pervasive in our culture and in our world. Dogma is one of Satan's most effective tools in getting our eyes off Jesus and focused on that which is a lie. Dogma is man's corrupted theology as opposed to the truth of who God is. He is the one and only God. His character is immutable. Every word of dogma seeks to destroy that truth. Were God to change his character, the cosmos would implode. 
The stars, planets, and galaxies, all that God has created is based on his immutable grace, mercy, and loving kindness. These are the essence of his being. His character cannot be changed by our fanciful imaginings or our consistently rude and petulant behavior toward him. Our God is not a God of compromise. Scripture says we were made in God's image. Dogma is when we try to make God in our image. When we try to reshape his character into something our finite minds can understand and accept. But a rose by any other name is still a rose. But dogma by any other name is still false teaching. Dogma is when we try to tell God how salvation, justification, and sanctification ought to work according to our sensibilities. When we try to tell God what is holy and true according to our value system. By definition, dogma is a principle or set of principles laid down by an authority as incontrovertibly true. God has said he is the only authority. And only he has said what is incontrovertibly true. Not what man has said or surmised. When we try to tell God what is divine, when we try to tell him his divine law of love needs to make room for our self-centeredness, we're doomed. Did you catch the part in the video where the family brought the sacrificial lamb into the house for four days? Basically, the lamb was brought in and sheltered as a pet, part of the family. And on the fifth day, it was sacrificed. Why was it brought in? Identification. This time of the year, we need to identify with the sacrifice of Jesus as the Lamb of God. We need to identify with that sacrifice every day of the year. But more especially this Passover season. Did you know in the uh, Old Testament ritual of animal sacrifice, it required the head of the family, the father or the husband, to lay his hand on the lamb's head as the priest slit its throat. Identification. The priest required you to lay your hand on the lamb's head so you could experience firsthand the writhing of the animal, the smell of blood. Feel the convulsions. Hear the gurgling of blood in the lamb's throat. The purpose was for you to hear, smell, feel a consummate revulsion for the sacrifice of life. Identification. Slide two, please. Hebrews chapter 9, 11 through 15 from the NLT. Under the old covenant, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for sin. That is why he, Jesus, is the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the internal, eternal inheritance God has promised them. Notice I've underlined who are called. We are not Calvinist. We do not believe that those who are called are an elect few 
who had been selected to receive grace by some capricious whim of the Almighty. We believe that all are called, but not all will answer that call. We believe that when God says he is no respecter of persons, he means everyone. Everyone who welcomes Christ into their heart is welcome at his banquet table. All means all, regardless of culture, ethnicity, gender, physical or mental disability. When I was 13, my dad took me to visit his boss. His boss owned a construction company and was one of the largest track home builders in town. When we got to his boss's house, I noticed the boss's son walking down the driveway headed toward his car. I also noticed that he had multiple sclerosis, bad multiple sclerosis. His walk, his gait was incredibly spastic. But I noticed also that when he entered his car and took a seat, took a hold of the steering wheel, all of a sudden he was steady as a rock. And when he drove off, straight as an arrow. I didn't know quite what to make of it. But as I grew to know that my bosses, uh, grew to know the boss and uh, his son, uh, I came to understand something most valuable. My dad's boss loved his son, physically challenged or not. He reveled in his son's tenacity to do, to be, and to achieve, no matter how immense was his handicap. His son could bring the chaos of his lack of muscular control into such control that he could build model airplanes. If you've ever tried that, that takes some control. And he had an impressive ham radio set up, though he could barely talk. I saw God's fatherly love in that relationship. Anything his son wanted or needed, the father provided. And as a result, his son excelled in everything he attempted. MS is caused by damage to the nerve pathways between the brain and the spinal cord that control the muscles. You and I have multiple sclerosis of the spirit. The pathways of our spirit that connect to our brain have been damaged by sin. And there's only one remedy. The love of our Heavenly Father. Slide three, please. Hebrews 9, 20 through 22. Then Moses said to Israel, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified by blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Slide four, please. Hebrews 10, 8 through 10. First, Christ said to the Father, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then Jesus said, Look, I have come to do your will. He, the Father, cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Slide five, please. Last Sunday we learned that there are four servant songs, as they are called in the what I call the Gospel of Isaiah. I don't know any other Old Testament book that talks more of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This week we will focus on the first of those four songs, which is found in Isaiah 42. Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one. 
who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. To understand that, we need a little help from the message. He will not brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He will not disregard the small and insignificant. He, Messiah, will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea. Who's that? Those distant lands beyond the sea. That's us. Who will wait for his instruction. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. Slide six, please. Isaiah 42 from the message. I am God. I have called you Messiah. To live right and well. I have taken responsibility for you. Kept you safe. I have set you among my people to bind them to me. And provided you as a lighthouse to the nations. To make a start. Underline that. To make a start at bringing people into the open. Into light. Opening blind eyes, releasing prisoners from dungeons, emptying the dark prisons. Compare this to Isaiah 61. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set, sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Why do we find it so hard to see ourselves as the God-designed, God-ordained continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ? I have provided you as a lighthouse to the nations to make a start. In other words, the mission is not complete. In other words, the mission is ours. We have assumed the ministry that Jesus started. To make a start at bringing people into light. Jesus made the start and we have been commanded and empowered to finish what he started. If there's only one thing you take away from the sermon this morning, I, I pray this is it. Jesus made the start. We are to finish I believe Jesus will not return. In fact, his word says he will not return until through his spirit we have preached his gospel to the ends of the earth, to all nations, kindreds, peoples, and tongues. To quote Rich, Miller, uh, Rich Mullins, one of my favorite uh, singers, songwriters from the beginnings of what we call contemporary Christian music, we are little keepers of the promise. Keepers of the light, keepers of the truth that set men free. Isaiah 61 is the outline of Jesus' ministry. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. This is the same passage that Jesus preached to his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. In fact, it was his first sermon. And they tried to kill him when he announced that he is Messiah. The same thing happens when we announce that we are followers of the Lord Jesus. What? You're a Christian now? You found God? I knew you when. You grew up just down the street from me. You were as big a sinner as any of us. And now you claim to be a Christian? Really? Have you heard that before? Little keepers of the promise.
keepers of the cross, keepers of the light. We will be scorned, despised, and rejected just like Christ. To share his glory must also share his shame and rejection. This season calls us to summon our empathy and to contemplate the price Jesus paid for our salvation. And what does that empathy look like? It must not resemble us attending the funeral of someone we didn't really know. And therefore, we can keep our emotions in check. Empathy and compassion are tears flowing from the same source. They are someone else's pain in your heart. There is no excuse for us to be casually indifferent, to not put ourselves in Jesus' place this season. We are not allowed to view Jesus' suffering from a distance, to remove ourselves, to unimagine his pain because he took our place, suffered in our stead. Slide seven, please. Luke 19, 32. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his disciples, underline that, all of his disciples began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Slide eight, please. I'm going to attempt to give you a panorama of the Gospels, the various Gospel accounts from Mark. Chapter 11, verse 9 from the ESV. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. In using the Hebrew word Hosanna, they were actually quoting Psalm 118.25. Please, Lord, save us, save us now. The Hebrew word Yashirna, translated into Greek, is Hosanna. They shouted, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. What were they really saying? They were saying, we understand nothing of who you are or where you come from other than our expectation that you will deliver us from the Romans. That's what they were saying. Slide 9. Luke nineteen thirty-nine. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, If they kept quiet... The stones along the road would burst into cheers. Romans 8, 22 and 25 from the message. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance, physical and spiritual. But like a pregnant mother, we, the, the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful is our expectancy. Romans 8.22 is talking about the whole earth being in travail, waiting for Jesus' second coming, when he will return to restore not just we humans, but all of his creation. So what does Jesus mean when he says the stones in the road would burst into cheers? He's saying creation, all creation, the birds in the air, the fish in the sea, the stones along the road, 
knew what was about to happen. This was a milestone in route to God's plan to redeem all of his creation. The creator was on his way to the cross. He was about to recreate Eden in the hearts of men by the way of his death and resurrection. Had Jesus silenced the crowd as the Pharisees demanded all creation would have cried out and praised his name, even the stones along the road. We need a greater perspective this Palm Sunday. We need a divine perspective. Lord Jesus, make it so. Slide number 10. Luke 19, 41. But as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and circle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize when God visited you. If you've been to Israel, especially if you go along the, uh, the Western Wall, but any place you care to look, you can still see the stones that were pushed off of the foundations that provided structure for the temple. Because you did not recognize when God visited you. In the past few weeks, we have studied verse after verse that clearly state God's Spirit will not strive with men's hearts endlessly. There's a cutoff, an expiration date, when God says it is too late. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. But now it's too late. And the peace is hidden from your eyes. What Jesus is saying here is this. You did not recognize that God in the flesh has visited you. And now I will harden your hearts, blind your eyes, and deafen your ears so you cannot hear, so you cannot see or comprehend the gift of God's salvation. There is most certainly an expiration date on God's grace. He is infinitely gracious to those who realize their need of that grace and are not too proud to ask for it. We all know the story of the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus saying, Master, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus told him, get rid of your idols. Get rid of your money and your possessions, those things you worship instead of me. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Jesus knew his heart. You've put all your faith and your trust in your money, and therefore there's no room in your heart for me. All your faith and trust must be in me. Our idols have to go before we can truly follow Jesus. The rich young ruler turned and walked away, saying, this is too difficult. You ask too much. And did Jesus say, hey, wait a minute, let's negotiate. Come on, let's, let, let, let's think about this. He did not do that. There's no negotiating in regards to the way, the truth, and the life. Back to Palm Sunday. Where was this throng of people who waved their palm branches and shouted, Hosanna? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Where were they on that dark Friday while Jesus hung on the cross? Scripture is clear. 
the throng that preceded and followed Jesus in his triumphal entry to Jerusalem were not bystanders. They called themselves disciples. Where were they on Friday? Were they at the cross? If they were, they were among those who jeered and shouted, if you are Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from that cross. You saved others, why can't you save yourself? Christ was crucified over dogma. If you won't deliver us from the Romans, you are not Messiah. If you can't be the God we want, you can't be God at all. But today, you and I, we do the same thing. If you won't deliver me from this illness, if you won't deliver me from this financial mess I'm in, if you won't redeem my broken marriage, my dysfunctional family, then you're not Messiah. You're not God at all. I'll deliver myself. I'll be my own Savior. When God doesn't meet our expectations, we resent Him and we turn away to find other gods. Slide 11, please. Isaiah 42, 8 and 9. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. Everything I prophesied has come true, and now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. Let's paraphrase this. Let's make the double-edged sword of God's word even sharper. I am the Lord, that's my name. I will not share my glory with anyone, nor will I share my praise with anything in your life you place above me. Everything I have prophesied has come true. I sent my Messiah to lead and guide you, to die for your sins, and he is coming again to receive all who trust in him and to judge all who refuse to believe. I have told you the future before it happens. This Palm Sunday, are we singing our hosannas for the right reason? Do we honor and bless his name for the Christ he truly is or for the Christ we want him to be? This Palm Sunday, the facet of Christ's triumphal entry, we need most to focus on is his triumphal entry into our hearts. Let's contemplate this as we prepare our hearts for communion. Father, rend our hearts. Cut away all the fat, all the selfishness. Heal our blind eyes. Help us see Open our ears to hear not just your truth, but all of your truth. Father, make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare our hearts for communion, and we will sing Lamb of God. A lamb was seen as a symbol of innocence and meekness. Any lamb that was to be sacrificed needed to be pure, spotless, and without any blemish. In John 1:29, John the Baptist sees Jesus and exclaims, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Praise God. Go ahead and stand and we will sing Lamb of God. <clears throat>
who strayed away like sheep. We who left God's paths to follow our own. Yet God laid on him the guilt and sins of every one of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he never said a word. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is dumb. So he stood silent before the ones condemning him. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among the people of that day realized it was their sins that he was dying for? That he was suffering their punishment? He was buried like a criminal in a rich man's grave, but he had done no wrong and had never spoken an evil word. Yet it was the Lord's good plan to bruise him and fill him with grief. But when his soul has been made an offering for sin, then he shall have a multitude of children, many heirs. Bless the name of the Lord. Let's take of the body. Blessed be your name, Father. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus, for sacrificing yourself for our sins. Let us partake of the blood. Lord Jesus, we bless your name. It is your blood that washes us clean. Lord, I love the message translation. Father, wash me in your laundry and I shall be white as snow. Let us take the cup together. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His counsel's guide upholds you with his sheep secure. 